Oh, welcome to another episode of uh, GRD's Comics that you've never heard of that you should probably know. Uh, I'm GRD, <laughs> and my uh, my guest today is uh, Overweight Matt Damon, or maybe you know him as uh, Callahan Welsh. <laughs> we uh, we are coming to you live from the uh, from the Valley Presbyterian Hospital today. Luxurious. <laughs> So, uh, welcome. Thanks for uh, being on the show, Callahan. What's Thanks, going Dan. on? <laughs> uh, not much. Just uh, for those of the people that are listening that don't care, uh, I decided to do this out of uh, not kindness of my heart, but uh, <laughs> just to have you lose followers. <laughs> and and uh, that's totally fine. Because really, I mean, I'm just... There's nothing special about me. Nobody really cares about what I have to say. So after 15 years of open micing, I've come to the conclusion that this will be the last couple moments in time that I will do stand-up comedy. Don't tell me that'll make me sad. Yeah, but you're you're gonna be able to sell and make money on like I don't know Amazon Prime, Pornhub, and Craigslist if you want to sell <laughs> this afterwards. To comedians who don't give, well, comedians don't care, and people don't care. So, uh, tell me, how, lo- how long have you been uh, doing comedy? So, it started Tuesday, <laughs> May 6, 2014, back home in Maui, Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, at a place called Three's Bar and Grill with the Power Up Comedy crew that Chino LaForge and Sonny Dennis uh, helped establish with uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Wackoff. And uh, they uh, were able to help orchestrate and start having some kind of gathering together uh, in Maui, Hawaii at Three's Bar and Grill. And actually, they used to have it at Stella Blue's restaurant. And uh, I would go and walk when I was uh, attending the University of Hawaii Maui College for my admission, administration of justice degree to try and become a police officer. Uh, they, they had the power of comedy going for a while. So I used to go watch them for nearly a year before uh, uh, time out. Go ahead and unwrap that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. These fucking... These goddamn lids. Yeah, no, they're kid-proof. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try my orange juice. Very well. Did you shake it first? I did not. All right. Well, the concentration should be choking. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. I'm uh, I'm struggling. I'm I'm for those who don't know, I'm uh I got a really bad leg infection. I'm uh, I'm laid up Nobody in a hospital bed. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. No, Jared D's here at Chuck E. Cheese just pulling a prank. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> I, I respect his uh his character and his commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good commitment, man. They got you in a hospital bed and everything. You claim to have cut off your foot like a Goku and Vegeta episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai. Anyways. Not to digress, uh, so I used to watch uh, them for a year, all these guys do stand-up comedy, and I always thought, like, oh, I, I think I'm funny, I developed a sick mind when I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, mm-hmm. the dry humor we had to have out in Iraq, no pun intended, 
wish there wasn't one. And uh, that's where I decided that one day I'll have the courage to go do public speaking in a funny manner. And uh, finally, when they moved over to Three's Barn Grill, I had enough of it. I said, all right, man up. Uh, so I started writing like jokes uh, about myself kind of a, a six months into it before I finally had the courage mm -hmm. to get up and uh, I used to do that in my English class. It was the last class I had before Tuesday night open mic because my buddy and mentor Channel Forge taught me that nationally known is open mic for comedy across the Americas or anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And Tuesday's just that kind of a, the pre-hump day to hump day then to the okay cool tomorrow's Friday day which is Thursday and then it's Friday. So uh, but uh and then I finally, I got up there with my jokes I will never forget because the amount of adrenaline that I had coming over my body uh, was the same kind of rush I had when I first got to Iraq and I had to go out on my first mission and step out of the uh, vehicle to conduct fives and twenty-fives. Fives and twenty-fives basically is uh, where one individual, one Marine, would have to get out and go circle the vehicle within five yards of it to ensure that there were no explosives, IEDs, mm -hmm. uh, detonations, uh, any, of, any of that that we were supposedly fighting out there in Iraq. And, uh, and then you move on out 10 more yards, then mm -hmm. 15, then 20 and just to scope the area out while you got your gunner overlooking you and providing protection. So uh, when they turned to me and I was inside the back of the Humvee and they're like, all right, Corporal Welch, I was a corporal at the time, uh, which is the rank of V4, um, also known as a non-commissioned officer. So I had a, a, lo a lot of responsibility and authority at that. And then the next yeah. rank is sergeant. But yeah. uh, so when they said, Corporal Welsh, uh, please step out and conduct fives and 25s, I was like, okay. Um, that adrenaline rush of when I grabbed the handle of the up-armored Humvee and had to step out. I was like, all right, this is it. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't step on a fucking <laughs> The first time I opened the door, boom. Just a boom. <laughs> yeah, that was it. My first mission didn't even last a second. I stepped on an IED. Uh, pressure plates and <laughs> you know and unfortunately the reality is uh, I've had fellow sisters and brothers who that is how they left this world that, that was their reality that was their reality they got evaporated on the spot and that when we were out training, I was with Charlie Company, and we have so many, you know, they break down divisions, companies. Yeah, what what, what battalion is Charlie Company? Uh, we were under 3rd Assault Amphibian Battalion. Okay. Uh, and then they have the companies, so we had Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, we all consist of about uh, maybe 300 in the unit, so that they can control in smaller masses, and that's mm -hmm. how they break it down. It, go, it goes platoons, and then platoons make up the companies, and the companies make up the battalion. Somewhat. Right. Not, yeah. not technically it? true, or mm -hmm. to the point, uh, but for those that are listening and don't give a shit, so that would be kind of the basis yeah. to put in retrospect. Um, I always like to talk basics. So the Marine Corps taught me how to be through baby steps, and when mm -hmm. you go back to the basics and baby steps, that's, I, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good power of intelligence that you can make your brain always go back to the basics and understand. So, but uh, it does start for educational purposes, if anybody does care, it starts from a squad, a four-man squad. Okay. Then it moves to a fire, uh, 
uh, or a fire team is what we call it in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Four-person fire team. Then uh, a line, then a platoon, then a company, then a battalion, then a division, then a regiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, no. Regiment and then division. Gotcha. gotcha. So... Losing all this education because I haven't used it in years. Shame <laughs> on me. I'm not going to look like a Marine anymore, and that's the most disappointing thing about my lack of uh, discipline. So every day I hate myself for it, and but I enjoy when I shove down licorices down my throat uh, to make up for the pain <laughs> of not looking like a Marine anymore. <laughs> you know, it's always about that. But anyways, not to digress. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first guest ever. To like, all right, next. <laughs> I thought I was your only guest. <laughs> so, um, have you uh, have you always kind of been like was it was that what sparked your interest in comedies when you were watching that, or like have you always kind of had a general interest in comedy? Uh, never a general interest, but I I was either always funny because. I guess I had to, if my brain, if our brains tell us that we have to cope with negative energies and hardships and bullyingness and whatnot, uh, mm-hmm. growing up in Hawaii, it wasn't easy for me having white skin. I was bullied <laughs> a lot and okay. a, a howly, which is, uh, you know, uh, to the Native Hawaiians, it was what I was educated through their school, public school systems and colleges. It's, it means somewhat like transparent skin. When they first saw Captain Cook and his white missionaries from Europe coming over, they thought they were gods. And so after, I think, about a week or so, they, they had differences. Uh, and then somebody, I think, tossed a rock at Captain Cook and he started bleeding. And then that's when they realized, oh, he's not a god. He's bleeding. Mm-hmm. They, well, the Hawaiians wiped out their entire missionary force that was there and ate them. Howdy. Come, come on in. Time, time out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hi. How do you do, doctor? Oh, hi. My, my, my doctor's in here now, so Yay. we're going to include no, no. him in on this. <laughs> it's his first podcast and hey. he just wants to practice <laughs> for failing's sake. How, how you feeling? I'm I'm doing good, Doc. I'm I doing good. Drugs. <laughs> Organic. Drugs. Any fever, trouble breathing? Uh, no. So, uh, and we're back. We're back. First episode and last episode of his podcast, also known as Hospital Podcast. <laughs> And uh, so you were saying uh, about my narcissism? What yes. Was question. It was uh, with your general interest in comedy. Uh, yes. So I uh, never thought. I was, uh, yeah, uh, back to being you, howly, you, being picked on, so yeah. dealing with it with funniness or whatnot. I just I always appreciated laughter. It's a powerful emotion, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a. It's a very euphoric reaction we get as human organisms, and I respect that about life and how we get the opportunity to look at something or hear something so mundane that we have a good laugh. And whatever the part of that brain and the body that connect together to feel that way, that's a badass feeling. And even the most thuggish, ruggish piece of shit out there, whatever the case, 
every human organism um, has the opportunity to feel laughter or has laughed. And yeah. everybody needs a good laugh. And I don't think the energy force that created us, whatever anybody's beliefs, no disrespect, but my view on life now at 36 years old is uh, I, I, we don't know if it's a man or a woman. Nobody has any proof. Uh, and uh, I just think that whatever creator created all of this wouldn't have been so ignorant to not let us have that. And so laughter, having that, I just, I always was funny. And then in the Marine Corps, I always loved playing a fool behind uh, <laughs> authorities back and whatnot. So call it a rebel, call it an anarchy. But I was, I was always professional, but whenever I could get away with getting a laugh, and, mm -hmm. and trying to, and being a pathological and professional liar. That yeah, uh, that's where I learned to manipulate people's brains into believing me. Okay, that's why I'm a terrible actor. So uh, <laughs> finally, uh, deciding, I used to watch stand-up comedy just all my life, and then uh, I guess it uh, one day it just uh, they were doing. Well, I got out of the Marine Corps, went back home to Maui, and uh, they were doing that over there, and I was like, all right. They have this, and it is cool to see all these guys from Kihei, Maui, Hawaii. Like, yeah. Right, Willie Simon at Chino Forge, they're out here putting, you know, putting in the time and effort and the hard pains and emotional pain of patience teaching us, like, okay, I can get there, but it's going to take some time, and the right people have to see me and have to be generally interested. Yeah. So after learning how to not uh, steal and plagiarize jokes from professionals like I used to. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that was something Channel Forge taught me from the beginning. Never, you know, never plagiarize. Uh, he, he actually told me uh, with one-liners, uh, be careful with observational one-liners because you could run the risk of plagiarism. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And uh, he's like, never steal a joke, never you do that because one, you make the joke less funny, and two, you become a hack, and nobody, bookers will look at you thinking that they don't want to, they're not going to work with you, they're not going to book you if you're stealing other people's premises and mm -hmm. punchlines and jokes and whatnot. And it just, it's not authentic, it doesn't come off as real, we've heard it before, it's not funny. And that kind of that hurts the community. So you know, and uh, unfortunately, in my two uh, five and a half years that I've been doing this, I've been called out twice for two one-liners that I thought very genuinely I had wrote based off the observation. Granted, I understand now, five plus years into it, I look back at the reflection that comedy writing has taught me. Uh, is uh, I was young into understanding comedy, mm -hmm. so that's where. Uh, the simple uh, joke that I had of I'm single by choice, which is a, a very popular premise a lot of comedians use, but the punchline is girl's choice. Yeah. So that's where you have the ellipsis, the dot, 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 giving it a beat to silence yeah. time, and then the unexpected punchline that people are like, girl's choice. Well, that's an easy one. Be <clears throat> this one uh, comedian in North Carolina told me like, hey man, that sounds a lot like Orny Adams' joke. And I was like, who the hell is Orny Adams? Looked him up. He's pretty <laughs> much a protege of Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah. Not, he's traveled with him. I've seen him on documentaries. And, uh, and his joke is, I'm single by choice, not my choice. Yeah. So, I, I <clears throat> understand now. It's like, oh shit, well, you know, that's that's generally something that it's an easy joke to observe and make about yourself. Yeah. And then watching about um, 
going into uh, learning uh, YouTube and learning how to write jokes. Uh, one of the videos was Jerry Corley's video on how to write jokes. And Jerry Corley says in one point in the video that don't pick the fruit closest hanging to the ground. Meaning, do not go for the obvious. It's obviously hanging so low, like, oh, I, yeah. I can make fun of that. But he says to dig deeper, and that's where the creativeness and the challenge of writing a good joke that's never been said before or thought of before, that's authentic to you, um, and that's why people get paid the big bucks to make something funny out of it. And it could be something so simple, but nobody's ever really heard or said it before. So the idea is that majority of jokes have already, everything's been said before, but now it's just how do you say it? So I understand that. Um, but again, only five plus years into this, I, I'm still a beginner. I'm still a beginner. I don't know if I've earned, I don't even know if I've earned the title of stand-up comedian because I still haven't been really, been a paid gig at a comedy club. I get booked at Flappers, but they don't pay, but that's still really awesome to feel like I am a stand-up and they advertise me as a stand-up but in the professional world I don't know how, how would you judge it what do comedians feel like and if they so much so the first day you step up on a stage and you try to do jokes you can call yourself a comedian maybe but also I think there should be like a golden rule that all comedians should be aware of like do not advertise yourself to be stand-up comedian until like you have two years under your belt because if you advertise yourself too soon and you're not effective uh you're kind of wasting everybody's time and that's been i think a hurtful thing that a lot of established comedians kind of get burnt out on on seeing the junior new comedians coming into the world or whatever trying to get booked and then stage time is also a currency in, mm -hmm. in heavy saturated places of comedy so that's a luxury I don't have to give anybody, and uh, so that's why I think I hardly ever get booked. I, I don't. It's just these onesies and twosies that are giving me these opportunities, and uh, of course I want to grow like everybody else, and I want to see everybody else grow. So I think if anything, like Chino was telling me, it's a marathon, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, and I I get it now. It's a lifestyle. Every day I'm I'm writing something. And just like Joe Rogan said, five, if it's five minutes a day, something has to be written to keep the brain going. And you have to, to be a comedian, you have to, writing is part of it. You can't just remember all that. A lot of these bookers at the Burbank Comedy Festival recently said uh, they would like to pick up comedians, but if they don't have uh, written material for them to see... Not, they can't work with them because if they want to put them on Conan or Jimmy Kimmel or some kind of late night show yeah. they have to orchestrate it to where it's kind of family friendly but also you know it's late night television it has to be written specifically for that the right, the main writers that are going to tell every comedian hey you need to change this you need to, and it's going to happen if that's what you want to do right? mm -hmm. and who knows it could make the joke a little bit better a lot of comedians are like very uncomfortable with adapting to change but I think that comes natural when the the ego grows, the confidence grows, the narcissism grows. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but again, this is all my observation of five plus years in. So with that being said, please start my time. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Callahan working working his jokes into into a, into his episode of the podcast. The first and last episode of my podcast. <laughs> trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> so, um, is that Marissa? Don't That's me. Marissa on TV. Marissa is a comedian that we happen to know. And uh, she was just on a credit score. So, uh, well done, Marissa. Huh. Hmm. Shout out to Marissa, even though I don't know who she is. She, uh, she does... She runs the uh, the ladies' open mic over at Flappers, and she's one of the waitresses. She 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 barely works over there. She's mostly acting. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Said, that's what I'm talking about. Progress, you know. Yeah. And she got that, and she got in, and now she's on national television, just like I am on the Hub. But anyways, next question. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Callahan, uh, tell me, uh, is there any comedians like? That that you watch like, like who who are four twenty? Shout out to four twenty. Actually, let me ask who who's the first comedian you really you remember stopping and actually watching? Like, just anyone? I don't know. I plagiarized all of them, so uh, <laughs> and all made it my own. Uh, the one that really sticks out to me, of course, would be Zach Galifianakis because he's awkward funny mm-hmm. and very effective at that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and one-liners, of course, and, you know, like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chappelle. I own, I think, two out of the 50 DVDs that he's ever put out. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, George Carlin. Jeez. Just all the greats. All the greats. Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I watched I've watched uh, Seinfeld ever since it started in the '90s. I was just young enough and old enough to have watched it from the beginning and understood the jokes and how funny Kramer was and his aspects and dealing with uh, you know uh, George Costanza always getting shitted on. And just like, <laughs> it resonated with my soul. So yeah, seeing them suffer made me too. So, let me ask, what made you want to join the Marine Corps? Marine Corps, I was tired of being bullied, and uh, if anybody was ever going to mess with me as I got older, I wanted to learn how to defend myself at all costs, and if that meant learning how to take someone's life, I don't mean to say it that way, but this world is a crazy world, and we can't be naive to think that those things can happen, and, uh, mm-hmm. and if I... As I got older and the testosterone kicks in for all of us male organisms, mm-hmm. uh, you just got to be be ready to throw down and take handle yourself. Because, uh, again, being in Hawaii, I was picked on all my life. I was just sick and tired of it. Like, I had no malicious intent. I did nothing to anybody. Mm-hmm. But I was always picked on by the locals that, uh, you know, my my family took over their family's uh, land. And yeah. I, I have no no family to do with that nor <laughs> did I I was born in the 80s and yeah. I was taken over in the 40s or whatever and, <laughs> you know but that's ignorance Yeah, that's that thing we call ignorance and <clears throat> I look back now I, I kind of would like to be a powerful mind and say I forgive those kids for having shitty parents in an aspect of where they didn't really teach their kids about love and understanding of like hey it's not every white person 
white-skinned human organism that goes out to hurt people. Yeah. It's not every black-skinned human organism that goes out to hurt people. It's not every brown-skinned human organism that goes out to hurt everybody. Yeah. Obviously, we see this day and age, we can all get along. Yeah. But there's always going to be just the 10% of our world that has so much hatred in their heart and vengeance. And I'm part of that. I'm still part of that, too. I, there's plenty of people that I still want to... I, I still have my gripes with yeah. my professionalisms with and that I still want to I want to squash it but if if life is trying to teach us that the the emotion of love is the most powerful thing we have as human organisms to to be respectful with each other then uh, therefore that's I think where that mentality comes in of forgiveness like, you yeah. know, I just, I don't want to hold on to that pain anymore, so I, I don't have hatred towards you anymore. You did the action, oh well, I just want to continue with life and see what the experience is as, as we are in this lifetime. And, uh, that, what, whatever has been done in the history of mankind to where we are now, that's where I stand with, uh, being able to watch all these greats before us dealing with the same shit, whether being poor or not, uh, I, I mean... It, you know, had my fair share of, uh, lived at a, uh, in a shelter for a couple months back home in Maui when my mom had to leave my dad, and it was, you know, a shitty time, but, uh, it was an experience that happened, and there's mm -hmm. no written future from us, I don't think, it's hard for me, because I, you know, we don't see it unless with our own eyes kind of thing, and, uh, the experiences we see and have to go through it is what it is I think the creative life gave us free will and he or she or it is not really paving a path or a journey for all of us it just we're making it up our own way that's why we have choices we've, we've deemed this mentality called choices you have choice A B C whatever the choice is so and that's where I've chosen to now with everything uh, that I failed on education and uh, obtaining some kind of solid employment that gives me the lifestyle I want to live. Comedy just gives me that rush of finally I'm respected, I enjoy the narcissism, I enjoy, <laughs> in a fun loving way, Yeah. Uh, I enjoy being justified and, and judged uh, in getting the... Uh, the response of people uh, from being on the stage. And whatever it is that I say out of my mouth that's just so weird and silly and the manner and the demeanor and poise that I say it. Uh, it's a cool thing that my buddy Chino has unfortunately introduced to me and now it's <laughs> his fault that I'm uh, being so effective. I just keep learning and learning and learning what I can and taking, uh, of course, taking uh, acting classes at New York Film Academy, you know, teaching me how to be more of a professional lawyer. That's, uh, that's I, did, I didn't know you went to, you're going to New York Film Academy. Yeah, I did. Um, oh, you did. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, had, I came to try it out. Uh, I'm not an actor. Okay. I'm a terrible actress, but I'm not an actor. <laughs> and uh, I've acted, but I'm not an actor. And uh, I just... I don't enjoy what I'm doing now, but, you know, unfortunately I'm quitting and moving, so... I'm well, where, where are you moving to? 
You moving back home? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Doesn't right. matter. I'm not getting booked anyway, so I'm over this. Hmm. Well, I think that's a shame, but... <laughs> Nobody I... cares what you think, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... It just... It, I, you know, because when whenever you go on stage, something happens that doesn't happen with a lot of the people you see out on the on the open mic scene. As soon as as soon as you get go up, I always hear people, "Oh, hey, hold on!" Like people will stop their conversation with me or whoever, and they'll be like, "Hold on, Callahan's going up. I want to go watch Callahan." And uh, and then when we find out it's Callahan, well, Welsh going up. We all kind of like, oh yeah, let's let's definitely check this out. And your story actually kind of reminds me of my mom a lot. Okay. So, okay. Uh, she, because uh, she was picked on a lot as a kid. Okay. Uh, she she grew up in uh, Hardin, Montana. Hardin's uh, right, kind of it's right there next next to, next North to Korea. yeah next to North Korea. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's right next to the Crow Reservation. Okay. In Mont in Montana there and she was uh she was a white skinned lady in a predominantly black uh <laughs> community no yeah. predominantly uh native american community okay and uh she told she told me the story about how this kid in her class i think she was like in second or third grade or something uh this kid that all the girls liked uh kissed her during 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 class, like I guess it was just like a kiss on the cheek or something. Okay. And then he asked if he could walk her home, and my mom was like, "Yeah, okay." And um, the girls from her class were following her home, throwing rocks at her. And I was like, "Wow, that's <coughs> insane." It's a uh, it's ignorance in the brain. Yeah. It, you know, I I was just. As I was thinking when I was getting lost on the way over here and uh, wearing my Go Organic shirt <laughs> and all the parents that might be looking down on me, if one for the way I look right now with the hair, I look homeless. And, uh, and then having this shirt doesn't help, like, oh, a druggie, weed dealer. No. But I was, it, I was thinking, like, if we just had more education, you teach kids about the cannabis plant and what it can and cannot do, They'll grow up knowing what it can and cannot do. This example also with guns. Guns mm -hmm. don't hurt people. If they're not moved or pulled by any other human organism, they cannot hurt anybody. And I, I respect that about like the NRA trying to tell that, you know, with all these mass shootings, a fucked up, sad situation that our mentality of our world is like, oh, well, we should get rid of the guns. We should. One, yes, it would be cool to get rid of America gun-free. But that's not going to happen in this day and age or for the rest of the future. I don't see it. There's already enough people that feel entitled. Hey, I got a 3D printer. I'm going to print my own ammunition. And just the hatred will continue. So I, I don't... Um, but the idea, I guess, not to digress, is uh, the example of... What was the question? I was telling you about how... My, oh yeah, your my mother's. Gonna, so the ignorance, yeah. Those kids were, you know, just it, jealousy. These emotions. It's emotion. Yeah. It, it's having self awareness of uh, identifying the emotions that we've we use or hang on or uh, and utilize to push us and move us and cope with and deal with and 
understand with the situation at hand. So they were picking on her because she had white skin and the one girl that was in the town that they liked the guy, the guy likes the one girl, she's different, he's up. In theory, uh, one of the ideas is that he's attracted to opposites attract. Yeah. Yeah, and then they got jealous. Alright, well that sucks. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> so, tell me, um, what is, uh, or, no, actually, you have this one joke, I'm in love with it. Oh no. <laughs> I've only ever seen you do it once. It How many was... times have you used it behind my back? Oh, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so many times. No, if, if that was my truth, I'd want to steal it so bad. It's uh, uh, yeah. Which one it is? I'll tell you who I stole it from. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you go up on stage and you're like, and you say something like, "I was in the Marine Corps or something," and you're like, "I don't have." post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> and then you just knock and then you see the uh, the mic stand you just knock it over real quick <laughs> I, so developing the craigslist bit and the ptsd bit mm-hmm. um yeah i was back home because uh, my buddy chino is like hey just talk about yourself mm-hmm. and if you make fun come on in time out yeah yeah come on in And we're back again. again. Oh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a little difficult doing this in the hospital. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not like flappers you remember. Ah, <laughs> uh, and scene. <laughs> so we were talking about your your joke. Yes, the uh, PTSD bit. Mm-hmm. So my buddy channel uh, was telling me, you know, talk about yourself and. If you, Talk about yourself. Like, nobody can really steal or plagiarize that. Yeah. Habits. And I was like, oh, why not understand that? So, you know, I spent time in the Marine Corps, and a lot of people, now that it's been identified, uh, the PTSD, anger issues, whatever the case may be, part of the brain that gets triggered quickly. And a lot of times I don't like to believe that I have it, but I was tested um, several times, and unfortunately I had it. And, uh, but I still, like, I don't like to tell people because I don't know how the stigma weighs heavy on mm-hmm. it so yeah feel free to check to make sure if it's you're catching my narcissism uh, so um, and uh, so I like the uh, element of surprise element mm-hmm. of unexpectation you know and a comedy is a lot of that so uh, that's where I figured I would take a chance with uh, the, uh, the Craigslist goes into having two kids. I have two biracial kids. Yeah. Uh, one half African American, half me, half Hawaiian, half me. So uh, I go into making fun of having kids. Uh, the Hawaiian comes with you know four uh, vacation package for four. The other one comes with a scholarship because he's super athletic. Because most people you know associate uh, African Americans with athletics. Athletics, yeah. Yeah. And they are. And, if anything, they're the power race, uh, and I don't know why the KKK feel entitled to think that the white race is the powerful race. When <laughs> they're not even close to it. <laughs> I think every other race is more powerful and has proven to be more powerful than the white American honky dory mentality. But whatever, it's now. Wait people. a minute here. Wait. A, this is American yeah. podcast. Damn it. American what podcast. are you talking about? <laughs> Crazy. 
Uh, that's not true though, it is Native American <laughs> land which belongs to every other shade of color and the skin except for the whites. Trademark. <laughs> and so, uh, next question. Oh yeah, no, PTSD. Uh, so I uh, talked about my kids and then the idea of making fun of racism is like, oh, for those of you that are laughing right now, racism is hell, and I don't appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps fighting against terrorism and racism. Uh, but And then the punch, I assure you, I don't have PTSD. And then the tag of punching, it, now people are like, oh, he's telling us he doesn't have PTSD, but he just showed us. Mm-hmm. PTSD. Yeah. And to punch it unexpectedly, the microphone stand. <laughs> it became fun. So, but you know, I mean, no disrespect to any of the clubs. Uh, just shout out to the clubs. I never mean any disrespect for those that nobody's going to listen to this. But I, I mean, no disrespect with it. I just I thought it was funny, and I've seen a lot of comedians utilize the uh, microphone stand to oh yeah for whatever basis. So it's like, hey, this is my thing. This is how I'm going to do it. So when I get when I have enough money, when I go around and try to, I guess they have me feature or headline or whatever at mm-hmm. actual book clubs. I will take my own personal microphone stand. Okay. And and then that's one of the one of my bits that I was gonna start incorporating. And that happens is I will go up. I'll have my microphone stand up there first, and I will walk off with it. I leave, <laughs> <laughs> I leave, I leave the microphone. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> I'd just love to see everybody's confused face. Like, okay. everybody would start laughing at first, then it'd be like, <laughs> but then it'd just be like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and tonight at Flappers, at the Uber room, I'm sorry you're not going to make it because you're stuck here in jail at the Presbyterian Church Hospital, but uh, I think that's what I'll do tonight. Oh, I'm going to miss that. <laughs> Well, I'd probably be in the kitchen, so I'd probably miss it anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Question. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so, you you say you're moving, so you don't know where you're going to move to? Wherever the wind blows to North Korea, uh, I think it'll just... I, I got to go back for my son to North Carolina. Oh. Yeah, I gotta quit and go be a dad. Responsibilities. It weighs heavy on the heart that I'm not there for my son. I'm not giving him a dad because I tried. I tried. I moved from leaving one son in Maui, Hawaii, my youngest, mm-hmm. to North Carolina because my son was getting older and he needed me first. And that's what the heart, my heart, my gut, my instinct, my soul was telling me to go be a dad with him first. Mm-hmm. And they just, I have to put the time to let the other one be with his mom and fucking kills me every day but it's just something that I have to experience in this lifetime where I brought two mouths into this world and uh, chasing this sick fantasy of trying to become a professional stand-up comedian and a celebrity all-around entertainer Uh, it's just I wanted to do it in in as quick as time as possible and that's why I became an attention whore in the style of uh, comedy that I'd like to do not trying to be a prop comic but unfortunately I have props uh, and still trying to learn how to do one-liners and memorize all of them like Michael McKernan. I went to watch, <laughs> I saw him one night just destroy with, a, or uh, when he had me go feature for him mm-hmm. over in, uh, uh, well, in San Diego and uh, 
it, he had to memorize, I think it was 120 jokes yeah. uh, for his, the 20 minute, 22 minute headlining spot he was supposed to do. And it just, that's an amazing thing to watch Mikey just go bang, bang. Oh, bang, yeah, Mikey. Bang, bang. Mikey's I, so talented. He tears up rooms, yeah. I, I've, I've, been tr- I've been trying to get him on the podcast, honestly. <laughs> in due time, in due time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, they got a, they have, they have comedy clubs out in North Carolina. You can they still, do. Uh, you that, can, so that's where I trained uh, at Goodnight's Comedy Club. Um, apologies, very rude of me. And uh, <laughs> me and my white privilege. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yes, North Carolina has a Good Nights Comedy Club in Raleigh, which is where I'm moving because that's my son lives in Fuquay Arena, which is 45 minutes south. Okay. Um, and then you have the Idiot Box, uh, which is in Greensboro, which is two hours away. Then you have Chapel Hill, the Pit, uh, in Chapel Hill. Then you have the Dead Crow Comedy Club in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then anywhere else uh, within that radius, you know. Uh, oh, Clayton has a comedy zone. Uh, Charlotte has a comedy zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other borough has a comedy zone. So, um, <clears throat> yes, but the idea is. So here's the thing that my mom was educating me on was, if your if your goal is to become a full time dad and get custody, you have to take care of your son day and night. Your yeah, night, your nighttime job is gone. Comedy is over, and I was like, "Yeah." And then that's what I want. I want custody of my son and move back home to Maui with him as soon as possible, so I can raise both my boys and fight for custody of my other son, and feel like a family again. I think that's kind of more important to me than becoming a a national uh, headliner, national headliner, celebrity status, comedian of. Uh, trying to get that money that real good money that once in a lifetime change where once I'm established not only can I take care of my family which is my priority which is what everybody's priority is and Mm -hmm. shout out if I if it if and when it ever does happen uh, (laughs) you know I know people are gonna be jealous and looking up to me that mentality of like oh could you help out no I'm not helping out anybody financially but I can help people yeah. In in my way. And that's what <clears throat> a leader, or at least the Marine Corps brainwashed me to remember that I'm a leader. No matter where and when and on this earth, I'm a leader. And coming out here, you know, being a comedian and getting into the, uh, you know, like uh, the narcissism grows and how <laughs> yeah. the big dick energy. But it's uh, honestly, <laughs> I understand where I lie. There's nothing really special about me. And, uh... I'm just learning to have fun with this uh, premature understanding of stand-up comedy and the entertainment business and how to portray and advertise yourself to where the one in a thousand comedians that are good, like, are genuinely gifted with talent, Yeah. Uh, can make an impact with the public where they just like, hey, there's just something about this guy I want to know. Uh, there's interesting people out there. Uh, I think everybody has an opportunity to share their story and everybody wants their story shared because ultimately and I think this is what it falls back on we all want to be loved and that's that powerful emotion 
Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah, my <clears throat> my heart cries every day. I see a, a, a individual going through hard times, mental illness, or homelessness. If all, if nothing more, all three. And uh, I do sympathize and empathize with them. I don't want them to suffer. No, no, no alpha, real alpha male. No king. No leader. No professional human being in this world, as hardcore as they can be, even the most gangsterous gangster, uh, has, will always have a bleeding soft heart at times. Oh yeah. Um, even Hitler, I think, had moments of compassion. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's anything I learned from Dragon Ball Z, the Japanese anime cartoon, <laughs> is uh, every monster has a right to life. Now, however long they are here causing mischief and pain to others, that's up to them. Uh, for example, Clifford uh, Nekrowski, uh was telling me like a, a month ago uh, how this one guy in Chatsworth was, uh, he shot his two family members and then went over to another house, shot another family member, jumped on the train, and was headed to North Hollywood. And uh, before he got gunned down, or whatever the case was, and that was just—I mean, it wasn't didn't hit the news, but it's just that's crazy shit that happens in this world, you know. And people have—he's a monster. If that's how we're gonna label these individuals, that their brains snap, and we hold them accountable, and uh, that's where it's. I had a good point to that. God damn it. <laughs> I had a very lethargic ideology of uh, what I was sharing with them. Anyways, the brains are weird, and uh, I want to be part of the funny, and uh, amen. <laughs> so, Although I'm not Catholic or Christian, or don't claim to be any kind of... Anything other than Rastafarian, because I get to smoke ganja. <laughs> so... Uh, before we wrap up here... Hospital food. <laughs> should be coming soon, I think, actually. <laughs> hey, you want edibles? Oh, hey, boy. Don't bother to look. <laughs> what is this? What is, what is Edible that? cannabis. You've never seen that bit before? Uh-uh. Oh, good. It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> Would well, you like some chocolate? Uh, I'll take a piece of chocolate. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not going to get high. <laughs> but, uh... Well, so... Until 45 minutes from now. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, before we wrap up, what is it that you would like to generally know so, of how I lie, cheat, and steal, manipulate the system for my own gain? <laughs> What do you, I mean? Are you still going to pursue comedy while you're out in North Carolina, I'll or are you just going to focus on being a dad? Focus on being a dad, okay. primarily. Uh, so and then I'll let the Super Saiyan gods decide if I need to be an entertainer. Okay, okay. So, so the big goal right now is just to be a dad. To establish. To, to Being be, the father figure to my son. Gotcha. That's well, it's a humbling thing to step away from comedy, but I'm out of here. 
Goodbye, Los Angeles. Oh, sad day for L.A. Sad. Actually, all the comedians are going to be celebrating, trust me. <laughs> They're gonna be like, yes, that waste of time. <laughs> that waste of time was gone. <laughs> oh, that's yummy. I seriously thought that was just moldy weed. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite scrumptious, though. Thank you. <laughs> um, I need you to start practicing your premises, your setups, your punchlines, and your tags. <laughs> Write what's genuine to you. Five things you hated about school. Five things you hate about being a dad. Five things you hate about uh, teenage daughters going through divorces. And uh, five things you hate and like about fishing. <laughs> In Alaska and North Korea? No, just Alaska. <laughs> Alaska, the largest state in the world, and dumbass Texans thinks it's Texas. <laughs> so silly. It's like it's right there on the flat earth map. <laughs> Trademark. So, yeah, no. Any other questions before I uh, leave you in your. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody? Who wants to pursue stand-up comedy as a possible career? Advice? Uh, if you genuinely enjoy making people laugh and you're open-minded to life-changing experiences, the stage will be your biggest and best instructor. It'll teach you anything and everything you need to know about telling the jokes. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's always cool to have a mentor. Like I was very fortunate, and not just a regular mentor. I mean, Channel Forge is fire. Like he, yeah. I've seen him destroy uh, clubs and even the most faint of times in a in a bar. Uh, working working out at uh, Stella Blues and Three's Bar and Grill. I mean, people, all the locals coming in and drinking, having a good time, and he had to bring them back to like hey there's a comedy show going on yeah people are trying stuff and just everything it, like not many people get the opportunity and uh, to have a mentor of talent teach them talent coming from out I, I so, was I was lucky I, I happen to have a couple mentors please don't mention Patrick Jar or Andy Ben no okay. please <laughs> please I promise <laughs> I promote Patrick Jar. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I had my mentors were uh, Lucas Seely. He's originally out of uh, Montana. Montana. Yeah, Lucas Seely. I've seen. I've uh, trained with him over at the Haha. Ha. Yeah, he's good stuff. He's good yeah. people. And then uh, Sean McBride. Oh, okay, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Sean McBride. Yeah. I don't know him. Oh, he's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I've heard of his. He's he's gener- he's he's mostly a road comic, but he's hilarious. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, good he's, for him. Oh, yeah. he's so funny. Okay, and uh, he took a chance. You know, we'd never met. He he took a chance, and he uh, he took me out on the road, mm-hmm. had me feature for him. Okay, and I just kept bombing and bombing and bombing. <laughs> but you stuck with it. Yeah, but but uh, and then like our last show together, I just because he kept giving me pointers after every show. And our last show together, it all just kind of together, and I just murdered. Good for just, you. Just murdered. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So, uh, where can uh, where can people people follow you being a dad on social media? Pornhub. Pornhub. 
<laughs> Add four inches and smaller. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's the anatomy I was given in this lifetime. Oh, no biggie. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, one, you know, I try, uh, I've written this joke about, like, uh, I can't be ever accused of sexual assault or rape. Because... <laughs> One, I'm too small to uh, <laughs> penetrate any woman. <laughs> and two, what woman would ever want to be like, yeah, I had sex with him? <laughs> It'd be embarrassing. I feel bad for all my exes. <laughs> how, yeah. how did he get you pregnant? He couldn't reach, could he? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, that, that was a... That was like a Jesus miracle. <laughs> Insemination by imagination. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, but, no, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, if they want to find me, they will Google me Callahan Welsh or overweight Howard Stern. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to uh, say thank you for, uh, for, for coming and doing the podcast. Before You're not you, welcome. Before before you took off and uh, I want to wish you the best of luck man and I really hope uh, someday I see you back up on stage man you won't <laughs> I was just a myth I was never here <laughs> so you the fucking men in black <laughs> I exist only in deja vu <laughs> that's good that's good now you're writing comedy <laughs> All right, yeah, no, uh, please don't follow me. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, Callahan. Sir, gratitude for your time and patience with me.